I don't know how you can watch that and not cry. I was crying. Oh my goodness. Man. We don't need a message. That, I think, four minutes was better than any sermon that could have been given. Man, it was beautiful. God is so good. Amen? It's beautiful. You, today, you, got, you guys are uh, making me confused. Some people are here are now here. Now I know why. You are here to take pictures and videos. That's all you all moved. Everybody moved everywhere. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, I expect to see Elder Lam over there, and, and, and I see um, people in different places. You know, I, I, I expect Elder Lisa to be on this side in the back with Colin, and you guys all so good. Uh, do you have the clicker? Let me begin by saying something I think very important for us. Uh, I don't know why, but probably last uh, about a month and a half, God has been rocking my heart with some uh, new uh, books that I found. I don't know about you, one of our friends, Andrew Brunson, who was in, in Turkey, who was in prison for two years, who was released last year when our team was in Izmir. His book came out about Three weeks ago, I've been waiting for his, the audible to come out. It came out this week because actually he actually reads the book. You could see his voice in it. And the first chapter really begins with, it's time to come home. I was just listening, uh, listening to that. I'm listening right now. The hard cover is coming. As I was listening, my heart was just uh, been moved around a lot and stirred around a lot. And because I believe God reminding me the, uh, the essence of the faith that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think we live in this country where everything is so comfortable. We talk about blessings. We talk about, you know, God giving us, giving us everything we need and all those things. Yet when I look at the gospel itself, even the drama, the, the skit our kids did, speaks about God. He's not just God who is glorious in heavens. He's God who came and voluntarily, intentionally suffered for us, who became like us, who went through this world like us. He died on the cross for us. Out of that, the resurrection comes. Yes, we celebrate his victory. We live in his blessings. But somehow we have missed, I think not missed, but I think we have over inside emphasize certain aspects of the gospel. And I love uh, what God is doing in our midst. And I need to make one more point before I begin. Uh, I think just, uh, uh, Dustin would probably tell you better. Uh, and when you're in mission field, you realize, and often the evangelism really begins with storytelling. Storytelling. Because 80% of the people in the world are not, are not literate. Therefore, stories are important. Not only that, if you look at the Word of God, Bible, and the, uh, the Scriptures, and the God, God's truth is often, many times, couched in stories. 
more than the teachings, but it is couched in stories and narratives. And narratives are very, very crucial to who we are as Christians and how we learn about God. And more than all the things, the, the line by line uh, propositional logic teachings, but God couched his truth in stories. And, and certain stories are very foundational to who we are as Christians. The story of Christ dying on the cross, being resurrected. And how he rode on the donkey into Jerusalem in a triumphant entry. How he was betrayed and, and, and in a pile and all those stories are very powerful narrative. Stories that encompasses the truth and reveals the love of God. In same way, there are many, many stories like Abraham and Moses. There's so many stories, narratives. But one of the powerful narratives we need to hear again and again is the narrative about the birth of Christ birth of Jesus Christ. Those stories are very important because in those, in those stories, which even the kids can tell you, tell us, though in those stories we find a glimpse and the truth about God. Amen? Just a, just a little introduction to my message. So what, what I've been doing uh, for the last probably few weeks, we've been really in Adventists, we've been looking at some of the stories, Christmas stories in the Bible. We begun uh, on the first Sunday of Advent, we begun with John 1, where gospel of John, God, gospel by Apostle John does not tell the story of actually how Jesus actually is born, but he begins with way, way, way before it's by saying, in the beginning, even before the creations of heavens and the earth. That's how the story of birth of Christ begins in the beginning. The word is the word, word is with God. That word came, became flesh. That was a story of God, and, and that really comes out of the Gospel of John. And the second, we saw the story of Magi. These Gentiles, these people who are astrologers, astronomers from East who are not Jewish people, somehow with dreams and visions from God, as well as seeking, maybe two, three years of seeking about the meaning of those stars that they saw, begin to research about the one who was promised, the Messiah to be born in Israel, and they, how they turned to Israel, to Jerusalem, and how they came looking. Sometimes we sing it up as a, um, three, you know, we three kings of Orient, that, that song, how they came looking for a child, baby born, the king of the Jews. You know, you know, the whole story, we talked about that. And really the, one of the things we saw in the story was how it was not people who were, should have known the priests and the leaders who knew about where the Messiah's promise, prophecies were, talking about where he'll be born. It is Gentiles who are unexpected, who searches and comes to see and see the child was born as a, as a king of the Jews. We also noted that probably those Magi didn't come on the day Jesus was born. Probably came maybe, maybe a year or two later. The Bible says there was a child, not baby. And today we want to look at the famous story of Bethlehem, where the baby was supposed to be born. I titled it, No Room in the Inn. You know, and some you know, stories has a way of bringing all kind of imaginations, all kind of thoughts. And I don't know about you, sometimes stories are better than 
The books are better than the movies. Movies tend to make all your imaginations go away. And somebody's interpretation, sometimes it's good, but often I like the books better than the movies, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So somebody's listening. Thank you. Because, you know, if you think about the story, and we, we, can, we all heard the story of, most of us all heard, most of us, if not all, heard the story of uh, Mary, pregnant Mary, with Joseph coming to Bethlehem, having the baby in, 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 the, in the manger. We, we heard the story. But if you think about it, the story that has filled, pre- let me use the pun, pregnant with imaginations, smells of the hay, smell of that, the, you know, the manger, right? Everything around and all that. I don't know about you. My olfactory does not work well. I hate it. the smells. I can handle the sight, the smells I can handle. You know, I love going, I love going to uh, on hospital on Christmas Day to sing Christmas carols and, and praying with those patients. What I do not enjoy is when you walk into the room, smells, kills me. I have to make sure that my face does not frown, make sure that I, I look okay. I hate the smell. You know, I have to think about the story. And yet, in those stories are amazing truth that we need to understand. And what I wanted to do is, on the stories you already know, we want to look at it quickly a little bit and look at some things uh, and some observations and let our imaginations fill our hearts and minds, but also hear what God is saying to us. Amen? Okay. Today I'm really looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And if you have a Bible with you, you can look in there. Otherwise, I have verses up here you can look as well. Okay. By the way, I just want to, if you want to do this Bible study, I found by John Piper. He does this new thing he does. He lets you take a text with a screen and they get, you know, scribble on it and explain the text. I love it. This is the Bible study I would love to show one of these days. Anyway, just wanted to mention that. And some of the things that I want to share is inspired by that uh, teaching by John Piper on Luke chapter 2. Let me read it once. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with him. We just read the story, right? And if you are reading for the first time, that should be a scandal. He was coming with Mary, he was engaged, but she's pregnant. With a child. This is 2,000 years ago, okay? This is not okay. Because in those, if you are engaged those days, you, are, you have not consummated your marriage yet, but she's pregnant. He's coming with his engaged, Mary was engaged to him. Let me go on. While they were there, not, not, as you read, I want you to get some of the very important details often 
a lot of our storytelling has missed while they were there. The days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn, firstborn son. And she, and she wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I made three observations here. Three, about, about three observations, few observations here. And I want to hear, hear out of all the stories you already know, I want to look at a few things here. Number one, let me go back to verse 1 and 2. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all inhabited earth. See, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And let me stop here. One first observation I have in this story is that it mentions Caesar Augustus and Quirinius as the governor of Syria. You know what this tells me? This is not a myth or fable. It is a history. When you tell, when you tell the story of birth of Jesus, we are not telling a made-up story or untruth of fable or fib. We're telling the story that actually happened in history. This is a, in the gospel, looks very clear. He names it what king what, what governor who, and, and who is the prefect and all those to put it on history. It is history. Second thing, let me look at quickly. And everyone was on his way to uh, register to the, for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. I highlight a few things here. Talks about how, second thing I see is how Joseph travels to Bethlehem because the God prophesied, gave the prophetic words way before, at least hundreds, hundreds of years before, through Micah saying, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Because God prophesied. God said the Messiah, the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. This is why, this is why Joseph travels down to Bethlehem. Now you have to look at something here. What, what, what you see here is that it is not an accident or a coincidence. But it was orchestrated by sovereign God. He begins with, the story begins with, in the days of Caesar Augustus, a decree went out. Because the Messiah was supposed to be born in the city of Bethlehem, the city of David, the God that was supposed to be fulfilled, rather than God just you know, making Joseph the travel by quietly himself with Mary to go have a baby in Bethlehem. You know what God does? He does a global orchestrating. He gets the whole Roman Empire to move, calling a decree where the Caesar Augustus, you know, he, he made a decree that everybody registered, the whole Roman Empire moves. And God orchestrated all these things. Orchestrated all these things. You know, and, and so Joseph travels to Bethlehem with 
Mary. Meaning that it is not an accident. It is, is it clear? It is all orchestrated by God. A sovereign God is in control. If that's the case, second point, it's the case, then something bothers me. Something really, really bothers me. You know why? It's a little warm here. Maybe I'm just getting too excited. Uh, something bothers me. If God, the story of birth of Jesus, the King, the Messiah, Savior is being born, this mighty God who moves the heart of the Caesar Augustus emperor of the time, the most powerful man in the world at the time, and to make this happen that Jesus should be born in Bethlehem, if he did all that, what happens? Next few verses bothers heck out of me. Look at this. While, you know, while, while they were there, as Joseph and Mary got to Bethlehem, the days were completed by her for her to give birth. Now, you stop right there. You know, you know, you know most of the stories I, I heard people tell is that and how Mary, Mary is on a donkey or, cam, or cam, donkey or camel or something, right? And Joseph comes in the night into town. They're looking for a place to stay. And they knocked on the inn and there was no room. They found and ended up in manger. But you know what it says? While they were there. They, they, may, be, they may have been in Bethlehem for a few days. They didn't arrive on the day of the baby while they were there. It was, it was time for her to give birth. That makes the story even more dramatic, though. Rather than just, you know, arriving on the day, you know, it's totally so late, and knocking on the door, it's like, you know, you travel. You know, I don't know if you have done this. You travel, you know, and to go to uh, some city, and you kept some into city really late, looking for a place to stay. Or up one in the morning, ask the hotel, do you have a room? I don't know if you've ever done that. But that's not the sin. That's not what has to happen here. What's happening is not that late at night they cannot find a place to go. No. They're already in the city for a while. And now she is ready to give birth. Now the story goes that she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloth laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Why does this story, this story bothers me is that if God orchestrates with the Roman emperor to make the decree that everybody goes to the city to be registered, why could he not orchestrate that's the one who's been born as a king of the Jews who will be savior of the world to be born in a nicer place? Why not? When they came into the town, there were a lot of people trying to register. And there were rooms all packed. And there, there's no room at all in the inn. But more than that, I bet you if you had money, you could always find a place. If you had power, you could always find a place. They came, they have no power, no money. Nobody, they know nobody there. No relatives. They cannot find a place. I don't know whether innkeeper was a mean guy or not. Usually all those dramas make the, you know, the innkeeper very mean, rough, no room, go away. And how, you know, the stories always go away. You, you know, the innkeeper is a meanie. I, I don't know whether that's the case or not. Maybe the guy felt bad. You have no money, but you're going to have a baby. Hey, we have no room, but you can use that place if you want. 
Maybe he was being nice. I do not know. But the, the, it bothers me the fact that they lay this Messiah, Savior of the world, born. Lay, and there's no place. Lay him in the manger. Wrapped and lay in the manger. Unsanitary. Some of you who are OCD will just drive you nuts. How, you, how do you keep the baby clean? Smell will bother the heck out of you. And you, know, and you, have, to, you, know, you have to wipe all that, you know. Okay. So a thought came to me. You know, I got to travel to Korea with my wife to some ministry, right? And, you know, when you sit on the plane, you know what my wife does? Put your hands up. I do this, and she gets, the, the wipes wiped all the, you know, that in the middle and the plate, everything. Do you do that? I don't do that. I just sit down, and she now lifts that, you know, the armrest. She wipes that thing, and put the tray down, and she wipes the whole thing. What are you going to do when the baby has to be born in a manger? There's a donkey and the sheep everywhere. The smells horrible. All kind of noise. No family, no relatives. You're having a baby there. This is king born in a place. The story really is he didn't, he didn't deserve that. At least Ramadan in. At least Quintus, you know. Something, right? Not in the manger, at least. You know the story about me. I had uh, two things from my wife. You know how I got wrong hotel rooms. No more traveling. If you do it one more time, I'm not traveling with you. You know, you know my famous, uh, famous story. I think, what was, what was it? Uh, it was my wife's 40th birthday season, and somebody gave me a uh, um, plane tickets to uh, Cancun. Two tickets, I believe. That's why we went to Cancun for her birthday. And I, that's when I was learning about, you know, the, uh, what do you call, the price line. That's bid, bid your price right, for the place. And I, I, apparently, in, out of USA, you cannot do that. And I found this Mexican website. I got a four-star hotel for $30 a night in Cancun. Four stars, okay, looks good, but I, I didn't realize it was out of seven. I know I was in trouble when I get to Cancun, ask the text driver, name of the te- uh, hotel. Huh? He didn't know. He didn't know the, what, 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 the hotel. I gave him that. He didn't know. So I gave him the address. He drove us into a little place in the corner in the back of the town, whatever, and we walked in. It didn't smell good. The floor smelled like Clorox, and it was sticky. And walked in, my wife looked at me, he's like, hopefully it'll be better than what you see. I said, when you walked in the room, the bed, the uh, blankets, you know, the, the, the whatever, the comfort, whatever was, damp. She says, I am, and, and then went into the restroom, they have no soap, nothing. And she says, I ain't staying here. <laughs> so I had to come out and we, Canceled it. I paid one day, and then we found a double tree nearby. We went over there. I know that's the first time she said, you do this one more time, I'm not traveling with you. Anyhow, if God was orchestrating all this, the king of the Jews, savior of the world, son, only son of God, why does he intentionally plan? That plan included 
He being born in a manger, laid in a manger. That was planned. It was not an accident or was not a coincidence. It was planned. You have to say, why did God do that? Why did God? That's the question we have to ask. See, it was not a by faith that they ended up in, the baby was laid in the manger. It was God planned. God planned it that way. The question is, why the manger? You have to ask, why the manger? See, often when you share the story, it's romantic. When you see movies, they, the, the manger doesn't look that bad. Almost sanitized. Not that bad. No. But question you have to ask, why the manger? Why the manger? Let me have some hints I find in the scripture. In Luke chapter 9, 57, 58, Jesus, this is what Jesus said. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, I have nowhere to lay my head. That's who Jesus was. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 9, amazing verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though, though he was rich, his God was God and is God, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might, be, might become rich. Bible says God, God being rich, he became poor intentionally. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. One of the holiest places in the whole Bible. But Jesus God, Son of God, emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant or slave, and being made in the likeness of men. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men. I would put it twice to emphasize was not a mistake, was not a coincidence, was not, it was emphasized, okay? All right. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. One more verse. In Mark chapter 10, verse 4, this is an amazing verse. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Why? For even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came as a servant to serve. If God was coming, sending his Son as, to be the king, as the world, the world knows, that he would put in a palace. If he got sent to be rich and powerful, he would have had him be born in a very rich, powerful environment. But God sent Jesus and to be born in a, laid in a manger because he'll come as a servant of all. He's going to die for all the peoples of the world. That is why the manger. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. You see, John, let me go back to John 1, 14. It says, and the word became flesh, meaning Word of God, who was God, became a human being and dwelt among us. He lived among us. We saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the surprise, the wonder, and the delight of Christmas is that God surprised everyone 
Everyone. He prophesied that he'll be born as a baby, become as a man, not as an angel. He'll be born of a virgin, born in a city of David, Bethlehem. And we know that he was born to be the king of the Jews and the savior of the world. But it doesn't mention how people didn't know, even the scholars in Jerusalem didn't know how he will come. But there was God's heart to come in a manger to be the servant of all. The wonder is the thought, the wonder is who amazing our God is. And he becomes a delight of Christmas. Would you like to see God? That's what the gospel of Luke is saying. When you look at the baby born and laid in the manger, that's where you, you want to see God? There you see God. That's, oh, that's your God. That's the God that who came. God who humbled himself and came. He didn't come mighty powerful. He could have. He chose to come the lowest of low. You want to look at, you want to see God? Look at Jesus. Even his birth talks about who our God is. Our God is not like this world. Our, God, our, our world loves victories, powerful, successful, glorious, beautiful things. Our celebration filled with stars, we're filled with all the sparkles and everything. God didn't choose to do that in Christmas. He came humbly. As a, if he was a servant of all who would die on the cross, it was not fitting for him to be born in a king's palace. Fitting for him to be born and, and laid in a manger as a baby. Now, one more thing I, want, I need to do this before we end. Christmas is not a Christmas unless or until you receive the message of Bethlehem. What is the message of Bethlehem? All the stories, I realized as I read, thought all through all the stories of narrative birth of Jesus, every story has two things in common. You know, you know what first thing is, you know, the first thing is, let me read this verse. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. Every story of the birth of Jesus talks about how those who should have received him, received him not. When, when Magi came, is Magi who comes to Jerusalem, where is the one who born the king of the Jews? And the, and the, the, the priests and the scribes knew where he was supposed to be born. They, they should have seen the stars in the sky that gives a sign for his birth. Nobody took notice. It is Gentiles who came. Those who should have known should have received. But the first, one of the first common stories, common theme in every story is those who should have received him didn't receive him. Even in the story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, if I was innkeeper, if I knew what was happening, if I knew what was happening, you know what? I would kick out some of my you know, people. Get out! Make a room. And I would have, you see, the issue is make the room. If there's no room, make the room. This is one of the Christmas carols says, make him room, right? Make him room. He, he this innkeeper, missed his opportunity because he was, you know, maybe too uncomfortable. It's, I don't want to go out of the way. He has no money anyway. He missed the opportunity of inviting Christ. The Savior of the world to be born in his house. Then he would have put a plaque. This is where Savior of the world was born. Come and stay in the room where Savior of the world was born. Make a lot of money off it. 
you know, you could have. You know, I bet you if somebody found the inn that Jesus was, uh, that Jesus was supposed to be born in, I bet you they would make a big sign and uh, you know, sell, sell all kind of tickets. See? Not received by his own. But, but the second truth is, as the verse says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. But, but not the, those who should have received him didn't receive him, but to anyone who received him, God gave him the right to become sons and daughters of God. Even Gentiles who are not people of God. Even, and the shepherds who are counted as lowlies who are not allowed to go into temple to worship, they were allowed to come if they will come. Issue is not everybody will receive, receive him. Those who should have received him didn't receive him. But anyone who is willing and receive him, they will receive him. And God will receive them. That's the message of Bethlehem. Therefore the title. No room in the inn. Is there room in your inn? Is there room in your inn? I think, you know, and because we live in a very, very comfortable post-Christian, I would say, I want to say post-Christian uh, society. It is not okay. It, it is okay for us to believe in Christ and follow Christ. It is okay for us. Because you have many, many years of tradition. We have, because it's not difficult to believe in Christ here. Because it's not against the law. What happened is, at the Christmas have become something more than what it ought to be. You know, I don't know about you, I'm a sucker for romance. So, you know, I, I, I found that my you know, on a Amazon Prime included the videos. And I've been celebrating over every Christmas videos. Romantic rom-coms, right? romantic comedies all over. The Christmas in Vermont, Christmas and whatever, all this, you know, little, you know, like guy falling in love with girls, all kind of thing, movies, every one of them talk, it's about Christmas season. They sing wonderful time, most wonderful time of the year. Never about, about Christmas. It's about, they talk about family, goodwill, and, and going home, but never about Christmas. I love the fact when kids, what they're saying, Really, that's the point. We are the reason he came. We forgot the reason why he came. He came for us. That we may come and make room in, my, in our life for Christ. Christmas is season we are reminded. Do you make room in your life for Christ? Is he the Lord and Savior of your life? Is he? I, I love this story that I found. I might have already told you this story. I'm going to end with this story. Story about Wally. I don't know if you heard this story about Wally. Wally was a seventh grade boy who was bigger than any of the other students in his Sunday school class. His mother has been, had been an alcoholic when he was born. As a result, he just did not have all the mental capabilities that the rest of the, his classmates had. But somehow he managed to get by. Christmas time came 
and his class put on a Christmas pageant. Since he was the biggest, well, you are chosen to be the innkeeper. You know the story, right? After all, innkeeper is kind of a villain in the story. So they coached Wally to be just as mean as he possibly could be. Well, the night came for Christmas play, and in it, Mary and Joseph came into Bethlehem, went to the inn and knocked on the door. Wally opened the door and said, What do you want? Just mean and gruff as he could possibly be. Joseph said, We need a room. We need a place to stay tonight. Well, you'll have to stay someplace else, said Wally, because there is no room here. Joseph said, but my wife's expecting a baby anytime now. Isn't there some place where we can stay? Where we are protected from the cold and where we can have this baby born? Then silence. Wally has forgotten his lines. From the behind the curtains, you can hear someone saying, Be gone, be gone. Finally, Wally managed to say, Be gone. Mary and Joseph sadly turned to leave. But just as they did, Wally said, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can have my room. The story gets me. The story gets me. You can have my room. You have room in your heart for Christ. More than the Christmas gifts. I love the drama they did with the, the Christmas gifts over here. And it was so good. So what, is, what does Christmas mean to you? What does the birth of Christ mean to you? God who so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. I love this picture. Gave his son. He planned his son to be laid in a manger. He planned it. That's the way he liked it. That's the way he wanted the whole eternity to know that this is how the Son of God was born. She's some of the Christmas, uh, oh, wrong way. You know, uh, one of the, uh, some of the Christmas kids, just look at some of the words of Christmas. Oh, Christmas carols, O come, holy faithful, joyful and triumph, O come, O come to Bethlehem, come and behold, behold him, born the king of angels. Christmas time when you come and behold God. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Prepare him room. Isn't that what Christmas is about? I'm not saying you shouldn't do Christmas presents. You should do it if it's for me. <laughs> I love presents. But you know, what I'm getting at is it has to be more than that, isn't it? Has to be more than that, isn't it? It's time we remember the reason for the season. The Christ born to die on the cross. You know, the um, Christmas on the uh, hospital really started for me uh, probably over 30 years ago, like 1986, I think. 
86. When, uh, when, um, when Anna was born, we, um, Joy and I were in Hawaii you know, for an internship in a Korean church. My wife's pastor, uh, she always had this tradition. And she said Christmas is loneliest time in, play time in the hospitals. Because everybody goes home. Nobody comes on Christmas Day. Christmas is very, very empty in the whole hospitals. And that, about 33 years ago, my, my, my pastor would God get our church to go on Christmas Day to sing Christmas carols and pray for people at the hospital because it's one of the loneliest times. Hospital. That's when it began for me. The Rana really was just an added thing. Our sister, uh, Rana, most, a lot of you probably do not know her, but she was one of our deacons. Actually, she was probably, I think, was just ready to be one of our elders to be. 2007, she just got married about six months ago. And apparently, I think, she had a big headaches for many, many days. And she was so unlike of her to miss church on Sunday because she was having headaches. So like a good Korean woman, she just took aspirin and she it held on. Probably about almost a week of big headaches. And uh, I remember day after Christmas, um, I was on the way to, I think early in the morning, on the way to go and pray in the morning. I think five o'clock, I, think five o'clock, I was uh, driving down to, um, driving down onto uh, Kennyworth to pray for morning prayer. And June, her ex-husband, husband called me saying, we're on the way to the hospital. And uh, last night, Rana was acting weird. Apparently she had a hemorrhaging happen. And she was like, acting weird. And they, she, was, she was taking her to emergency. And they had a 10-hour surgery that day. I remember that evening, I was supposed to go at a retreat to speak where Jason was. Jason was out there leading praise with other college students. I remember at the hospital, we were praying. And that's when she had a, uh, and, was, and, and I remember when she came out and when she saw, we saw her, they took, uh, they took the, carved out some of the bones in this side. Because they have to, so it literally took a piece of her brain out because of damage by the aneurysm. And see, if you go and see her, now you see this, this has sunk. You will show only have a skin the covering. There's no skull right there. And she's been in hospital for, now it'll be 12th year this year. We've been praying for her every day, and we, visit, and we visited her, still praying. God, can, God, even now, can still heal her. We can still, we are still praying. Still praying. And so that's what Christmas is about. I mean, at least for one of the traditions I hope church has is that. If you can join us, it'll be great. And, and, and it'll be great. But just remember what Christmas is about. Could I have the praise team come? I want to sing one of my favorite Christmas songs, The Humble King. I think, I, I think that this Christmas will be really, really great. It'll be awesome, I think. If we carry out the meaning of Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus, the humble king who came to serve and came go to lowest places. Especially in this season, I want to invite you to make room find, and, and do not miss opportunities encouraging those around you. Those around you. Especially those who need Christ who need to find hope that is in God. 
Christmas just reminds us of God who so loved us, He gave His only Son. Humble King. We want to be like Him. Amen. Let's all stand.